Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, it is that time of day that you've been waiting for. No, not W2s, but Game Dev Unchained, the podcast, is back for another episode. This is Larry Charles, the host with the most, unless I'm here with my co-host, best friend, Mr. Brennan. Hey, I know you guys missed me. Welcome back. And uh, this week's guest is Leo Gonzalez. How you doing, Leo? Yeah, I'm pretty good, man. Thanks uh, Thanks for having me. Leo, how's uh, how's Miami, bro? Miami. I thought Miami <laughs> No, uh, in all seriousness, guys, Leo Gonzalez is a very, very talented environment artist, but he doesn't stop there. He's also an effects artist. He also knows After Effects. He also knows Adobe Premiere. He is jack of all trades, master of some, is the best way to describe him. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I guess you could say that. I don't know about the talented part, though. <laughs> well, you fool a lot of people, though. <laughs> Maybe people are just dumb. Hey, <laughs> both could be true. <laughs> so anyway, uh, Leo came into our lives as uh, we worked with him on Lost Planet 3 at Spark Unlimited. And we've kept in good touch over the years because it's now been, what, four years since Lost Planet 3? What? It feels no like way. it's been that long, yeah. It's got to be at least four years. It's got to be at least three years. About four years, yeah. No way. Are you serious? Wow. <laughs> That's how much older you feel, right? So I feel like I time traveled. <laughs> yeah, we... Uh, it's gotta be anyway. Um, so this week's episode, Mr. Brandon Fan, will you please introduce the audience to the concept? Yeah, so I know you guys share the same story with me, where uh, once in a while you run into a character or an artist who just seems to know every goddamn thing <laughs> <laughs> in the gaming pipeline. Wait, wait, and knows Leo, everything or thinks he knows? There's a distinction. He definitely knows everything. Okay, okay, just and he sure. definitely knows that he knows everything. Which uh, leads me to Leo. Like, Leo is a multi-talented artist, self-taught. And this week's topic is about what's the difference, you know. Larry and I both coming from the school of thoughts. And Leo is a self-taught artist who, who made his way into the industry and is onwards to continual success in self-learning. Yeah. We want to delve deep into that, the benefits of that. And, uh, you know, Leo, how about a brief introduction? How did you get into uh, gaming? Well, the first thing I want to say is I don't really know anything, but I have this, <laughs> get I have this cool app on my phone. It's called Game School Online. <laughs> I have a question that my boss asked me in the studio. I just jump on there and ask my scholar, hey, uh, w- what does collision mean? <laughs> He'll give me an answer and then, you know, I'll pass it along and I'll look pretty good. Dude, that app is awesome. I can't wait for it to exist. <laughs> You've got the <laughs> only copy, <laughs> apparently. <laughs> It's in alpha testing now. It'll be out soon. Yeah, yeah. open beta coming in two years. <laughs> yeah. Uh, no, so, um, yeah, so I'm officially on paper. I'm an environment artist, but I've also been an effects artist. Uh, I kind of, the best way I describe myself is a problem solver. Mm-hmm. So people will bring problems to me and I'll figure out a way to uh, to solve them. Mm-hmm. And if I can't solve them, I'll team up with a group of people and we'll figure out a solution together. So he's also a producer. <laughs> that well, means I hate you, sort of. <laughs> no, I'm not a producer. I actually sit down and do work late into the oh, night. Oh, man. Let's tally that, that mark, man. <laughs> we, need to, we need to keep a running total of like people who are for production and people who are against. we got to have some sort of drinking game or something because it's just too common a thread on this podcast. Yeah, all right. I mean, we won't delve too deep into it. Let's like, just like how yeah. much How much do you hate? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
not not that much. You know, yeah. it's, I mean, no, I look. Producers are awesome when they're effective. Yeah, yeah. we have seen many good producers, and many, you know many, what? many more bad ones. One day I'm gonna get lazy, stop working, and become a producer. And stop damn. It. we gotta cut it off. It's too much. Even that's too much for me. Too soon. Too soon. <laughs> too soon. All right, let's okay. Let's be real. Um, for the audience, Leo, uh, can you take us through your your game, your ship games that you worked on? Uh, well, yeah, I've worked with you guys on Lost Planet Three. Oh yeah. Then I uh, moved to Austin, where I worked on the Halo franchise and a little bit on Call of Duty Ghosts. Oh, nice. Um, just came in at the tail end of that uh, uh, for the DLC stuff. Um, and. The stuff I'm working on now, I can't really talk about. No worries, no worries. Um, but uh, I'll be able to talk about it, hopefully, at some point soon. So yeah. you heard it first, yeah. guys. Lost Planet 4, confirmed. Yeah, Lost Planet 4. Yep, confirmed. <laughs> confirmed. You're working over there with the whole dev team. It may as well be Lost Planet 4, right? Yeah, yeah. We got a few <laughs> people from, uh, from Spark and... Uh, a lot of people actually move into uh, to Austin from California. Yeah. And the funny thing is, uh, Texans really hate Californians or people moving in from out of town, especially California. Oh, uh, I, I was told to change my license plates as soon as I moved here because um, supposedly cops will pull you over if you've got California plates. I didn't have that experience. Um, but I've heard about stuff like that. I don't know if it's it's true. I did have a weird experience when I went to get my driver's license at the uh, at the DMV. Um, I was told not to tell people you're from California, right? So I go to the DMV uh, to get my Texas license. And first of all, the DMV in Texas in Austin is awesome. It's mm. the size of a Costco. Wow! I, wow! Not, it is the size of a Costco. Are you sure, it wasn't a Costco. <laughs> it it might have had some uh, some cheap pizza or something in the back. I don't know. But this place is as big as a Costco. I walk in and there's about seven people in the whole place, mm-hmm. including employees. And I'm just thinking, wow, cool. okay. I'm gonna get I'm gonna get out of here pretty fast. Is that for like indoor driving tests and shit? Why do you need a seven place? <laughs> yeah, they got the golf carts over in the back. Yeah. No, so I go. So the first thing that happens is I walk in. They've got these kiosks, and there's this, uh, you know, this little older lady, uh, kind of, I guess, standing there to direct people as they walk in. Uh, and she's, you know, she asked me what I needed. She was really nice, and I said, "Well, I'm here to get my uh, driver's license. I just moved uh, to Texas." Next thing that comes out of her mouth, I, I'm not kidding you. She looks at me and says, "You're not from California, are you?" And I'm just looking at her like, what? <laughs> uh, no, I'm originally from Florida. And then suddenly she she's not serious anymore. She gets uh, she starts smiling and laughs. And she's like, oh, okay, we got a lot of people from Florida. Why don't you go over to aisle 18 or whatever? And I'm, I'm just like, What's going what on? if I had said I was from California? I think she was gripping her shotgun underneath the table or something. <laughs> uh, maybe, maybe. Well, you you still haven't found out why, why they hate us so much over here? Because they took her germs <laughs> in her real estate. Uh, oh, you know what? I'm not gonna lie. There probably is a lot of uh, angst because of the amount of real estate that's going to Californians. Because yeah. look at San Francisco. I can't mm-hmm. tell you how fast I wanted to move away from that area because it's just like 
Google, Apple coming in, snatching up all the affordable housing, and even yeah. the unaffordable housing just became super unaffordable. So there was just no hope. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I had to go. It's, it's pretty insane. Unless you're the CEO of Google, you're not going to live very comfortable. Yeah, so I can I can see where that kind of uh, animosity would originate yeah. from, given that type of scenario, because I've already experienced it. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, uh, Austin. You know, the cost of living is way cheaper. Mm-hmm. than uh, L.A. or San Francisco, but it is steadily going up. Mm-hmm. Right. And I think they say that over 100 and something people move to Austin every day. Every day? Yeah, every day. It's like a statistic, and Austinites are always repeating it. Yeah. Uh, like it's going to stop people from moving here. Well, let's talk about your experience as a, a, as a game yeah. developer in Sherman Oaks and then as a game developer in Texas. Like how much of a difference... You know, of course, you had a salary increase or decrease or whatever. Yeah. But like, judging from a broad scope of things, mm-hmm. like how much was that? Where is your level of comfort? Yeah. In your pay? Oh man! So is it insane. I, I do miss the West Coast. I love the beach, especially uh, especially the Pacific Ocean. Much nicer than the Atlantic, in my opinion. Especially uh, when you're talking about South Florida or Miami. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um. And uh, the people are really cool in California. The the food's great. Sushi. I love sushi. So obviously, um, I love uh, California. Mm-hmm. Um, sushi in Austin pretty much sucks. Mm-hmm. But, man, do they bring it when they have barbecue. <laughs> oh, it's insane, man. It's like they lace it with cocaine or something. I don't know what they do to it. But, man, it's so good. And I've been to the famous Franklin barbecue that's been, like, on Jimmy Kimmel and all those, like, food shows and stuff. Right. Uh, even President Obama went yeah. there and he skipped the line. It's like a three, four hour line. He skipped it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, obviously. But um that place is pretty good. Well uh, I actually have a pro tip for you if you're trying to find out if there's uh, a drug in your food. If you shake, they put cocaine in the food. If you scratch, they put crack in the food. So that's that's how it works. <laughs> that's how it works. This is that a pro tip from Charlie Sheen or something? Oh man! Oh, man, don't even talk about that guy. <laughs> now is not the okay. time. Let's stay on topic. Let's stay on uh, topic. <laughs> okay, so game development wise, the difference between you know Southern California and Austin is pretty big, mm-hmm. um, in the sense that okay, so in California, in most studios or all studios, uh, you got crunch, tight deadlines. Uh, not not to you know beat a dead horse, but producers usually lock you into crazy <laughs> schedules that no human being can meet. So they'll over they'll overpromise and underdeliver, and then you're on the hook for it. Um, uh, that sort of thing. Here in Austin, my experience has been the complete opposite. Okay. Oh, um, so there's good producers in Austin. Well, at least in my studio. Okay, cool. I don't know about any other studios, but my studio... Is it because they get to uh, go back to their mansions after hours? Is that part <laughs> uh, of it? Maybe it's the barbecue or something. I'm not sure. <laughs> I have to get back to you on that. But um, the cool thing about Austin, my experience so far, me personally, is I don't really crunch. Nice. You really, it feels like people here um, work... What what is that saying? You don't want to live to work. You want yeah. to work to live. Yeah. Here it feels like people work to live. Mm-hmm. People are all about, you know, leaving at six o'clock. You know, there's still daylight outside. 
people are going out hiking, going to the lake, going mm-hmm. to get barbecue, believe it or not. Mm-hmm. Um, just going out uh, to bars, lounges, all kinds of stuff. There's lots of stuff, lots of live music in Austin. You hear about it being the live music capital of the world, but it really is that way. You can go to a coffee house and there's somebody playing live music, playing guitar or something, right. uh, which is pretty cool. Hey so guys, it's more of a laid back. My name yeah. is Chip. I want you to buy my new CD. It's on iTunes. It's called Daddy Doesn't Pay Attention Anymore. <laughs> well, I wonder I wonder how much of that is attributed to uh, since, you know, the Marijuana. live to work thing is, well, I mean, California being so expensive as is, like, is it because people are working to afford their housing, to afford their lifestyle yeah. that they're accustomed to? And versus Texas, where you already have a nice house mm-hmm. for $200 a month. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know? I mean, yeah, you do save a lot of money here. And, and I didn't want to move to Austin because I, I don't have ties to Texas family-wise or, right. or anything. But when I started – I did the math three times, and I suck at math, so I had to double – like triple-check myself. And every time I did the math, I realized, wow, I'll be making like way more money in Texas than I would in California, even though California salaries are technically higher. Right. But the fact that Texas doesn't have state income tax, um, the fact that you're still going to be paid a pretty good salary. It's not like you're going to take a you know a 50% salary cut. Mm-hmm. Um and the fact that everything is so cheap here, like I'll give you an example. When I first uh, came out here, I was kind of bar hopping by myself just to, you know, learn to lay the land or whatever. And I go to this bar and, um, you know, I ask for a Shinerbach, which is, by the way, a really good beer. And if, if you guys ever get a chance or if you ever come out here, uh, I'll introduce oh, I'm you. Coming. <laughs> oh, you, you better. Yeah, I'm coming. Oh, you better. Yeah, I'm coming. I already bought three tickets. Serious? Uh, no, it's just bullshit. Come on. <laughs> but I am coming. <laughs> hey, all right. Well, when you do get here, um, I'm going to introduce you to Shinerbach, really good local beer. Anyway, um, the girl charges me, you know, two bucks, and I look at the receipt or my tab or whatever, and I'm going, "Oh, this poor girl, she messed up." <laughs> okay, so option A, you know, pay two bucks and walk away, and the joke's on her because she sucks at math more than me. <laughs> or option B, you know, I tell her, hey, look, I'm sorry, but you messed up the tab. What's the actual, uh, you know, what's the actual tab or whatever? Yeah. Very she looks at me and she that, goes, yeah. no, no, Sh- Shiner's $2 on tap. And I'm just looking at her like, what? You're giving beer? Like, not a little taste sample yeah. shot glass, like a full, the you know, shooter. like 12 ounce glass or whatever. Of Scheinerbach, which is it's good. It's not that Bud Light gas station beer mm-hmm. or anything like that. And uh, I just couldn't believe it. I was like, "What?" And then as I kept going out, I noticed that when you go out, you know, drinking and eating, you spend about half as much as you would mm-hmm. uh, in California or even Miami or anything like that. So that's that's pretty cool. You can go out, have a good time, enjoy your time with people, friends, and stuff, and you know, not you know, not kill yourself. Mm-hmm. Not throw away all the money you just made uh, creating a cool game for people. Well, right. man, I wish we had that out west. That's very uh, yeah. Possible. I mean, like the first thing I think about uh, when it comes to Texas is certain stereotypes. But you yeah. being a minority, I mean, how has that factored <laughs> in? 
I mean, I'm sure the cities, the biggest no, cities, Austin, like, I, I, like that, I are, did, are fine. I did think about that when I moved here because um, I wasn't sure what to expect. Yeah. But I haven't really seen uh, any racism against me or, or like anyone around me. It's Austin is actually pretty cool because um, people told me it was kind of like a little L.A. in the middle of Texas. Mm-hmm. And I thought, that's that's, the, I thought that's the stupidest thing I've ever heard. Shut up. <laughs> but... Uh, <laughs> But it, it it actually does kind of feel that way. It's there's a lot of hipsters here. Don't know where they came from, how they ended up here, but they're here. Dude, a hipsters hipsters just kind of grow out of nothing. Like it's a petri yeah. dish. Hipsters show up, right? They probably that, came from California true. because they can't afford it anymore. Yeah, no that that is true. I was uh, I was in Miami last Thanksgiving and um, I stayed at my parents' house. And there was some family friends from – I'm Colombian. So there was some family friends from Colombia visiting that I had never actually met before. Um, you know, Latino families really big. Um, and uh, the, the, the dude and the woman's uh, – so it was a couple and they had a couple of kids. And one of the kids was a teenage girl and she saw me wearing a Halo shirt. Uh, I got it because I worked on a game. Yeah. And she looks at it and she tells me in Spanish, like, oh, that's Halo. That's like my favorite game ever mm. before I even told her what I did, you know. And I was like, oh, that's funny. That's really your favorite game. She's like, I love that game. I was like, oh, that's cool. So you've been playing Halo down in Colombia. That's that's pretty neat. Um, and then she asked me what I did and I told her and she got all excited and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the next thing she told me, like, blew me away. She she started telling me that there's hipsters in Colombia. Oh, man. And I'm just looking at her, and she's telling me this in Spanish, you know. Yeah. I hipsters in Colombia. And I'm like, <laughs> what? Hipsters. There's hipsters in Colombia in What does Mexico? it even look like? It's like, you know, like. The cowboy Escobar, boots are too tight. Like, Escobar left such a huge power vacuum that the hipsters moved in yeah. somehow. And, I don't know, that just kind of blew me away. But that's off topic. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> just hipsters everywhere now. They're spreading. It's, Yes, there are. There's even hipsters listening to this podcast. So thank you, <laughs> yes. you know, for your interest <laughs> in new technology. <laughs> yeah, I have friends through their coconut radio. Oh man, <laughs> what's cool about hipsters is they're pretty chill. Yeah, yeah. for they're sure. Chill. They're good people to drink with. I I find random ones in downtown Austin all the time, and uh, they're pretty cool people. That's awesome. You know, people of the earth, awesome, love them. <laughs> I like people <laughs> as opposed to people of Mars. No, people of the earth, you know, like down to earth, earthy, you know, like the, uh, like, the good yeah, vibrations hippie, hippie, type yeah, people. Yeah, yeah. yeah hippies. Yeah. The yeah. nice way. That's just my nice way of saying it, you know. Yeah. Yep. Agreed. All right. So we kind of went on a little trip here. It's 20 minutes <laughs> into the podcast. And if I was listening <laughs> to get advice on going to school for games or not, <laughs> oh, I'd be fast forwarding you, you, like you'll crazy. You'll become a Colombian living in Texas. That's what <laughs> we're ending up to be. Yeah. A Colombian hipster living in Texas, yeah, drinking right. cheap beer. So, Lil, on the way into the game industry, when you were preparing yeah. yourself, when you're looking at school, when you're not looking at school, yeah, you know, take us through your thought process and how you led to you know being self-taught. Um, okay, so I'm you know I'm a pretty blunt guy. I like being glass half full and stuff, but when it comes to this stuff, I'm pretty blunt. And uh, I'll tell you right off the bat, if if you're going in for games and you're going in on the engineering side. Definitely go to school, go to a top school, you know what I mean? Go to like, I don't know, Carnegie Mellon or University of Southern California. Uh, if you can go to like MIT or something like that, just to become a really good engineer, 
do it. Mm -hmm. um, if you're going in for art, and a lot of the artists out there are going to hate me for saying this, but you know, school is kind of a waste of money. Yeah. It really is. With all the educational content out there today, yeah. you don't need to spend you know seventy, eighty, ninety thousand dollars in school. I won't name any schools. Yeah. Um, but you know, if you do some research, you'll figure out which ones they are. They're usually the private for-profit schools. And the funny thing is, I originally didn't want to do games. Originally, I wanted to go to the military and do a law enforcement career. Mm -hmm. um, and I was really serious about it. I, it was, you know, my main thing that uh, that I was working on. How, how uh, far did you get into that? Like not far at all. <laughs> I, I, so I you bought a gun. That was it. I wanted to go to the military, but I, I got, you know, um, medically disqualified because of my eyes. And it happens right, to right. a lot of people. I wasn't expecting it. It was. It happened all of a sudden. You know, you're, you you get up at like four in the morning to go to MEPS. You go through all the processing. You know, they they do all these tests on you and stuff. And then you get to like the eye part. They check like your retinas or whatever, and they tell you, well, you don't qualify because this. Yes. And it's just like next, and they just kind of push you to the side, and you're just like, what? Yeah. Are you kidding me? Yeah. And then you got to figure out something else to do. So well, uh, were you were you brewing what? I mean, did you kept like a sketchbook while you were? No, man. I actually, the last time I drew anything was when I was like twelve years old. When I used to, you know, collect comic books. Yeah, I, I used to uh, uh, draw what I saw on the pages and stuff. Just like stuff like a pose of Wolverine or something like that. Yeah, that stuff didn't come out that good. It was just sketches. It, it looked horrible, actually. I don't have any of them now, but if I did, I'd probably throw them away. Um, you would burn them right now. Yeah, definitely burn them and like pour beer on them or something. <laughs> well, uh, so no, I, I wasn't a really good artist or anything. I wasn't preparing for it or even considering it. Um, but I did play a lot of video games since I was, you know, I had like Nintendo, Atari, Sega Genesis, all that stuff. Uh, I played a lot of video games, like an unhealthy amount of video games. <laughs> And that never really stopped. As video games got better, you know, we went from, like, Sonic the Hedgehog to, like, you know, Metal Gear Solid. Uh, I loved it. You know, the storytelling, the graphics got better. Um, you know, I would look at, like, AI, and I would think to myself when I was playing, how is the AI thinking to find me? You know what I mean? When I would play, like, Resident Evil, I was so scared to go around the next corner that I was actually in my head thinking, oh, man, it's just a video game. It's just a video game. There's like this AI character. He's tracking me somehow. And, you know, I would start thinking logically like that. And that kind of translated to games. So anyway, fast forward. Um, I ended up getting into game modding. And modding games is what really pushed me toward, uh, toward any type of, you know, uh, computer graphics. Whether it's games or just CG in general. Mm -hmm. Because I, I just, you know, I got tools from games like Unreal Tournament. Um, the first Far Cry game when that came out, CryEngine, I immediately bought that game just for the mod tools. And I just started, you know, reading little PDF documents here, going online and seeing little snippets of videos. There really wasn't like YouTube, like the tutorials you see now online. So a lot of stuff you have to figure out by yourself. So I just sat there and kind of really frustrated pulling out my hair, trying to figure it out. But I was so stubborn that I wanted to do that stuff. 
like mod the game and you know add like an AK-47 the Far Cry or create a map with like killer clowns in Rainbow Six Raven Shield that would like you know come down on your position and you had to defend it against all these psychos and stuff. Um, I would just you know kind of force myself to mod and and create you know, new stuff that would pop into my head. So mm. the only way to do it is to learn the tools and yeah. learn somehow. So. Um, yeah, modding. Eventually, um, I was putting out a bunch of stuff on the Far Cry forums back in the day, crymod.com, when it first started. And I would get like mod teams, really good mod teams would pop up and just message me, private message me, and just be like, hey, dude, saw your stuff. We want you to join our mod team. We're doing this, whatever, blah, blah, blah. And I joined a bunch of mod teams and helped them out with like rigging, you know, characters or putting weapons right. in the game, a little bit of scripting and stuff like that. Yeah. And then one day, someone who I thought was a modder contacted me and asked me if, if I could put, like, a sword in Far Cry. Mm-hmm. And I thought, sure. So I did it, and I sent it to him, like, a couple of hours later. Little did I know, it was someone from a startup game company in Canada who was kind of testing me, mm-hmm. and I didn't know. I had no idea. Wow. So... He contacted me back with a long email saying, like, hey, look, I'm so-and-so. We're from this new startup studio in, I think it was in Montreal or something like that. We're like, we have investors. We're licensing the CryEngine for some new game that we're making. Would you be interested in moving out to Montreal for a job? And, you know, I'm from Miami. I've never seen snow in my life. And I'm thinking, what? Go to Montreal? What? Is this guy crazy? He's just some dude from the Internet that private messaged me. It could be like a catfish. Yeah, it could be who knows what it could be. Just come to Montreal. You don't have to bring much clothes. (laughs) So so I kind of ignored him and just said whatever. But I remember the guy asked me for a portfolio. And at the time, I was so ignorant. I didn't know what that meant. I actually thought he was talking about those, like, trapper keepers called whatever you get at Office Depot for school. I was like, what is wrong with this guy? Why does he want, like, a trapper keeper? I don't get it. Oh man! So, yeah, oh. so I was going to I was going to community college at the time for criminal justice, and I found crazy, yeah. I found the professor who was teaching computer animation, and I was like, "Hey, look!" I told him the whole story, and he was like, "No, no, no, no! They mean portfolio, like an art portfolio." Here, let me show you some examples. So then he started teaching me about the industry and this and that, and I was like, "Oh, <laughs> wait a minute! There's people who will pay you to have fun." You know, modeling stuff in 3ds Max and all this stuff. Yeah, and he was like, "Yeah, it's a career." And I was like, "Damn." Oh man, okay. I'm so glad that opportunity found you, Leo. <laughs> it sounded yeah, like you were clueless weird. back then. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it was really weird, man. I was totally clueless. I, I mean, to relate to that, I was kind of like that too. I didn't know until junior year of my high school that that being that in game development is a career. Like, I had no idea. And when I did finally realized it, I was all focused yeah. on to that. Well, but it's it sounds like you, you mean you got really involved in the forums mm-hmm, and then yeah. uh you know passion drove you to do these yeah. things. It, and it's then eventually modding. you got noticed, yeah. Yeah, modding is really what drove me. I got into the whole modding scene. There's other really good modders and there's always modders that are better than you, so you start you know messaging them and you know asking them, "Hey, how in the world did you get that MP5 in the game?" How did yeah. you texture it so that the metal looks so cool? And yeah. they'll usually, you know, usually they're really cool. I never had a modder that was better than me say, oh, shut up, kid. Yeah. You know, 
I always had modders like answer back long emails and give me like personal like tutorials over you know a private message on a forum board saying look this is what you want to do you want to use this filter in Photoshop you want to do this you want to do that in yeah. the engine make sure you do this other thing so it was pretty cool uh, how people like help each other out and stuff and honestly the modding scene is where I learned a lot of stuff it was better than any school that you can go to and it was free yeah well I mean more important than that and we've all been instructors Leo been a teacher before Larry's been a teacher I'm teaching right now and the number one thing that can't be taught is is that like he going out there wanting to learn more like no matter how good the student you know I might have a student at the beginning of the quarter and he's maybe somewhat skilled but there's no way that I can push him to learn outside of the classroom like you know always hungry for more and it's just the number one thing that I've noticed um you know, at, at a certain point, even if you go to school, you kind of do have to take that track to be uh, self-teaching in a way. Like you really have to uh, take the lessons from inside the classroom and, and, and evolve that in your own way. And uh, yeah. it, there's no coincidence that the best students in school is kind of like the self-taught student uh, who doesn't go to school as all, at, at, at all. The only difference yeah. is is a $90,000 bill, <laughs> which is, of course, a lot cheaper if you do it yourself. Yeah. yeah. What's interesting is uh, Brandon and I have a, a mutual friend and colleague. His name is Anwar. I remember when we were working in school together, he was just like, ah, I got a better idea. <laughs> so he, he left AI, got all the, like, Nomen character art tutorials, all the, like, you know, any sort of character art, character modeling tutorials he get his hands on. And for like three, four months straight, he just 24 hours a day was like consuming this tutorial content. And then lo and behold, he saves like almost $70,000 and huh. he gets jobs at like Activision, Blizzard, Toys for Bob as a, a character modeler. It's yeah. a great yeah. story. Great story. Yeah. From and what I, mean, I remember at least. Yeah. And that's kind of one of the cool things about our industry is it... it it, okay, so if somebody wants to be a lawyer, mm-hmm. and you're you're unfortunately if you're born into a poor family, you know, in a poor neighborhood or something like that, your chances for opportunity are going to be a lot smaller than someone who's the son of a you know or daughter of a senator mm-hmm. or a rich you know business person or something like that. That's just the reality of it. I mean, mm-hmm. that's the truth. Um, but in, in this field, at least, and I'm sure there might be other ones like it, but in this one, I can tell you from personal experience, you can be broke and not afford college and still make it and be as successful as someone sitting next to you who did go to college or yeah. anything like that. And there's nothing wrong with going to college. I wanted to. I wanted to. Once I decided that I wasn't going to do the law enforcement stuff and I wanted to, you know, get paid to have fun and build all this stuff on the computer, texture, model, animate, light, all that stuff. Um, I wanted to go to school. So being in South Florida, um, you know, I looked at like UCF, University of Central Florida. They have a program that's tied in with EA uh, in in Orlando. Uh, I looked into that. It was kind of pricey and I really wasn't too interested in it. I went to a behind-the-scenes tour uh, at Full Sail, which is also in Orlando, super expensive. And when I got there, I already knew modding. And talking to the people, at least the people that were there, trying to convince me to, you know, 
yeah, put down the like a $500 deposit to the hold my seat. You know, um, I wasn't convinced. I was just like, you know what, man, uh, this, this isn't for me. It's something, something, something doesn't just jive right with me. Maybe yeah. it's for other people, but not for me. Cause I, I do work with people at my current studio who have gone to full sale and they're successful. But anyway, um, I looked at Vancouver film school, which I really wanted to go to cause it's, it's a pretty awesome school. You look at the portfolios from students who come out of there mm-hmm. and they get great jobs. Um, I know before I didn't want to name schools, but I'll definitely name Vancouver Film School. Mm-hmm. And the reason is, I'll tell you this story. I went online, you know, got their information, wanted to go there. Uh, from what I understood, you had to submit a portfolio. And unless you were already pretty, pretty decent or pretty good, they wouldn't even like accept you to the school. So you have mm-hmm. to go through like a portfolio review process. So I, sub- I got my portfolio together. I submitted it to them. They contacted me immediately and a counselor guy called me saying, hey, we looked at your portfolio. We really like it. We think you'd be a really good fit at Vancouver Film School. Mm-hmm. So we started talking and stuff. And me being a broke kid from a pretty uh, poor neighborhood, you know, North Miami, um, if any other Miamians are out there off, you know, 125th by uh, 7th Ave, which is not exactly a nice area. Um, I... Uh, you know, I told this guy on the phone, look, I've got a 4.0 GPA in my community college or whatever. Is there any type of scholarship, anything you guys could do to help out? Because I'm just going to level with you. I don't have the, the money for it. And the guy literally laughed at me on the phone. <laughs> and you know what he said? He said, ha, ha, ha. oh, you guys are the United States. You have all the money in the world. What do you need a scholarship for? What? And I just, that just floored, dude, I was just speechless. I was like, are, are you effing serious? Are you being Damn. serious right now? You guys are the United States as if yeah. every person like, in the USA has yeah, it the it same. It was the most ridiculous thing I've ever heard from anybody, especially like a school counselor guy. So I told the guy like, F you and VFS. <laughs> and I hung up on him and I never talked to VFS again after that. And I wish I would have remembered the dude's name. This was so long ago. I wish I would have, like, kept the dude's name because I'm sure at some point, because this industry is so small, I'm going to run across that guy. shit on his chest, yeah. Yeah. But anyway, (laughs) then I was like, you know what? USC, University of Southern California. For some reason, I wanted to go to California, even though I had no family or any ties to California. But I wanted to go out there to industries out there and everything. Mm And um, I looked into USC, but being out-of-state tuition, it was just – it was already expensive, but out-of-state, even worse. Mm-hmm. And having no family out there, it wasn't like I could go stay with, like, you know, an aunt or something and, you know, get, like, a part-time job or whatever and go to school. It just wasn't an option. So in the end, I literally – even though I wanted to go to school, I couldn't. That's oh, just no. that's just what life said. Yeah. Life said, you're broke. You ain't going to school. So I had to figure out other ways to get it done. So I just said, you know what, screw it. I'm just going to learn it myself and see what happens. So I did. And I didn't do games at first. Uh, that's something that a lot of people don't know about me. I actually worked for many years um, freelancing and running my own company and doing work for advertisement and architectural visualization. Because in South Florida, there is no video games. Mm-hmm. It's um, I don't know how it is now because I've been out of the loop for a while. But when I was there... There was uh, advertising. So, like, I, worked, I did work for a company called Sapien. I don't even know if they're still around. 
it's a pretty big ad firm and uh they would contract me and I would do work from home for them like I would do like photorealistic uh animations of like you know Coca-Cola products yeah Nest yeah. stuff like that oh that's pretty cool like, that they would use yeah and they would use that for like videos you know stuff like that um a lot of the clients that they had were clients like Chrysler, Nike, and stuff like that. Just product type stuff, you know? Nothing super exciting, but you got to render stuff out in Mentor Ray and V-Ray. We worked a lot with 3DS Max and uh, and photorealistic stuff. So totally different from games, but definitely somewhere where you can make money. It's a service that's needed. So I did that for a while. And then I got bored of it. Um, and I said, you know what? This is really boring, man. Why did I get into computer graphics? Oh, that's right, because of video games. So one day I looked at my, I had a big, big video game library, you know, Xbox and PS2 games and all that. And I started kind of going through them and I said, you know what, let me do something. Let me go through all of my favorite video games, look at the back of the box. I, I'm not kidding you. This sounds stupid, but this is exactly <laughs> what I did. Looked at the back of the box at all the logos and studios. Then I made a Microsoft Word document with, like, I don't know how many studios. It was a huge list of studios I compiled. I want to say more than 50 or something like that. Mm -hmm. And I created a cookie-cutter email. (laughs) (laughs) And and I went – I did – I redid my portfolio because, obviously, game companies don't want to see advertising or architectural visualization stuff. They want to see video game stuff. So I downloaded uh, UDK. And I said, well, let me do video game environments. Which game do I like? Hmm. And I started going over games that I like, like Mass Effect, stuff like that. So I said, I'm going to make environments based on that. So I made environments that I like making. Mm-hmm. Um, I did that, you know, uh, redid my portfolio. And I sent out this cookie cutter email to tons of studios. And for the first 30 days, I didn't hear back from anybody. And then it was almost like right after the 30 days, a whole bunch of companies started getting back to me. Wow. At the same time, like the same week, it was kind of weird because they were different companies in different parts of the country um, and in Canada, too. And, um, you know, they got back to me. Everyone was like, oh, we got an art test for you. Just do the art test. You have a week, you have two weeks, you have five days, whatever it was. So I did a bunch of art tests for these. different. I was basically, you know, saying I'm going to plant seeds everywhere. Mm-hmm. I'll do all these art tests, almost like a lottery. And one of them's, you know, got to land, right? So a couple of them did. One was uh, 2K Marin oh, nice. up in the Bay Area. Yeah. We worked together. Yeah. That's, how crazy is that? And the other one was Spark um, Spark Unlimited in L.A. Okay. And, uh, uh, see how funny that worked? Yeah. So, really so funny. you skipped the company I was working at, and then I quit <laughs> that company and worked with you over at Spark. Isn't that really? This is fate. Yeah, or or uh, it could be just there's only five companies that you can possibly apply for. 2K gave me an actual uh, offer, yeah, um, and uh, they were offering just a little bit less than Spark. So I was like, "Uh, I don't know, like um, if you guys want to, you know, pump up the salary a little bit, I'll, I'll consider you guys. But they said no, we this is the max that we can give for this position. So I said okay, I guess I'm going to LA. And I ended up in L.A. and I've the been doing since. Yeah, yeah. Well, and uh, I love games. 
you made a good choice because you worked on Lost Planet 3. We all met and we're on this podcast now. So had you oh, been yeah. selfish, Leo, and got <laughs> you know a good offer for yourself and skipped out on the homies, none of this would be happening right well, now. Well, he, oh, he we would have still chilled. Uh, maybe, you know, minus Larry. <laughs> <laughs> but the thing that is very interesting is that, you know, not being, you know, you, you looked into the school route. They, like opted you out because they were too expensive right mm-hmm. yeah and they laughed uh, in his face laughed. that's crazy that they laughed in your face <laughs> worst recruiter ever yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> but the idea is that you know relentlessly you you pursued your dreams and decided to self-teach and came out on top you know out of all three of us you're the only one without student debt <laughs> still <laughs> i've been consistently getting a job after school and i've been consistently paying student debt so congratulations but like more than that though like as a self-taught student you're you're picking uh things that you want to learn about like all that time that larry and i are spending in rigging animation (laughs) and drawing anatomy you were like yeah you were creating a course for yourself and more importantly you created like this habit that is the key success to every type of student is the the ability to want to learn, right? Having fun learning. And um, I feel like a lot of time the school system, uh, when they have a set curriculum, like extra classes that you don't need, yeah. it really brings us down to like, wow, man, I don't really feel like rigging right now for the next 13 weeks. Like I want to learn about this specific thing, but yeah. I have to wait. And a lot right. of students do wait. And what they do is like it just drags on to a point mm-hmm. where, yeah, you know, they either quit or d- get discouraged because they haven't hit the subject. Like, how yeah. long did it take for you, Larry, to finally do design, like level design or any type of design? Man, it was crazy because I think it was somewhere around the halfway point. Halfway point, like one point five years. Yeah, <laughs> one and a half years. A lot of things can happen in a hundred. Like, yeah, one and a half years. But that's also the halfway point of your financial obligation. So yes. if you quit, you're like, oh, you still owe us $65,000. Yeah. Don't think you're skipping out on that. Yeah. So you're Ooh. kind of trapped in this kind of weird <laughs> vortex yeah. while Leo is chilling in Miami. <laughs> the Pablo Escobar of a yeah. freaking <laughs> environment art. What does that even mean? I don't know. I just I'm thinking Miami and I'm thinking Colombia at the same time. <laughs> I don't even know if Escobar came from Colombia. I should shut up. <laughs> it's getting kind of racist. He actually came from the same city as me, Medellin. Yeah, see, that's that's what I'm talking about. That's why there I made go. the reference from freaking Miami to Colombia because that was how they got all that. Yeah, you know yeah, what? Yeah. We're going into a deep dark area <laughs> that I shouldn't. <laughs> I mean, how much time did you spend? While you were learning all this stuff, um, you know, be, on, on the side of community college, on yeah. the side of uh, military training, all that stuff. Um, uh, so I, I would say it was a very, it was an obsession because I had, uh, you know, I was doing school uh, full time um, and I was in Army ROTC. So, uh, you know, there's the train like five o'clock in the morning for PT and all that stuff. And uh, and I also had a job. Yeah. Um, but I would still 
when I would get home, I would fire up the computer. I was so obsessed with this stuff that I would fire up the computer and I would work on the computer till, you know, two in the morning if I could. If if I could work till four in the morning, then I would. Uh, and I did. And I would do it, um, you know, day in and day out. Uh, every now and then there might be one day or two days a week when I wouldn't do it, but there would be weeks where I was doing it, you know, all the time. No social life. Just I was so obsessed with it yeah. and so stubborn that I, I needed to learn this stuff. Not because I was like, oh, I got to get a career in this. It was just I was so obsessed with it. I was like, this is so cool. I just made, you know, I just made a Colt 45. I'm going to make an MP5 next. And I would do that and I'd be like, you know what? I went on Google, did a Google image search, you know, AKS74U. That's what I'm going to do next. And that's what I would do. And And then, you know, I would create maps too. So just a little bit of everything. And it's uh, so like yeah, I, was, I was obsessive, pretty much. Like uh, what you were just describing, I can relate to. Like right now, a lot mm-hmm. of it is if I want to work on personal projects outside of work, outside of family, you kind of have to go back to your uh, uh, the, that student side of things, yeah. and really, mm-hmm. you know, that's very buried deep. And and you got to bring the passion out and and really want to work on the the stuff that you've always wanted work have you always been so disciplined or did this come from the military training or was it no i i have i've always been like that since i was a kid um i was like the so there's four of us four siblings a girl and three boys i'm the second oldest and i've always been like the only one out of the four who i didn't a lot of times i wouldn't want my mom to make me breakfast or anything i would want to make it myself I would wash dishes myself. I would do my own laundry and stuff. And, you know, I was doing this like around the age of, I don't know, 8 to 12 or something like that. So I was always very like sort of independent and stuff. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, I, I played, uh, you know, high school football. Um, and I was very disciplined in that. You know, I would do my two-a-days, weight training, love hitting drill. Um I was just really disciplined with that stuff. I would listen to my coach, uh, head coach Joe Myra. He played for Hurricanes, and I think also for the Cincinnati Bengals All back right. like in the seventies. And uh, whatever he would say, I would do. If he said eat this, that's what I would eat. If he said this is how you got to train, hit the weight room, you can do squats, cleans, whatever. That's that's what I would do. I'd follow it to a T. Um, and uh, after all that stuff, I, I just. I don't know, discipline's just part of my personality, I guess. I was just kind of born with it. Well, um, before we get into the in-depth talks about how else we can help these people not go to college, (laughs) (laughs) how about we pay some bills of our own, including Sally Mae, and uh, let's go to a commercial break. Game Dev Unchained Podcast will be right back. Learn how to create game assets in Unreal 4 with Leo Gonzalez, a professional artist in the game industry currently working at Certain Affinity. He's worked on games like Halo the Master Chief Collection and Lost Planet 3. Leo will walk you through his process step-by-step in this 11-hour tutorial showcasing Maya, Substance Designer, ZBrush, and Unreal 4. By the end of the class, you'll be able to build game-ready assets for Unreal games. Hello, everybody. Welcome back. Uh, we are with Leo Gonzalez of How to Not Go to College. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, Leo, um, you know, 
growing up, you had difficulties obtaining knowledge, but you made it through uh, with books and, and other modding communities. Looking at a student of today, right? What advice would you have for a person who's looking to go to school or looking for other avenues and the student that is halfway through school and seeing that the school track isn't for them? Like what type of advice, resources that you uh, suggest uh, that you see nowadays is so easily, readily available for everyone? Yeah. Uh, okay. So it, there's no single answer for that. That's It's almost like a multi-part answer. So I'll, I'll give it to you that way. So part of the answer to that question, um, the ultimate question, how do I get in the games industry? How do I become successful, get that ultimate goal is, uh, first of all, you got to have to drive for it. And I know a lot of people talk about that, but um, you have to want it. Want it bad enough to when you're at home instead of you know going out drinking instead of fooling around or wasting time jump on the computer you know there's lots of resources and some of those resources are you know things like youtube um tutorial websites and stuff uh, you know like game school online and stuff which i i know it's not a shameless plug it's it's it, i mean it's uh well think about it right you go to a school there's, there's two kinds of professors at schools, and this is the truth. There's the professor who worked in the industry for so long, they got burnt out, they got a family, they want to have a more relaxed schedule, nine to five, um, you know, have those benefits in a more stable job. Oh man, so they, you're describing me in transition yeah. right now. <laughs> so so they, they leave the industry and they become instructors. So yep. there's type A professor. Then there's type B professor, and this is about 90 percent of the professors out there, um, you know, at all these different uh, game schools and stuff like that. And those are the, the people who couldn't cut it in the industry. And that, that may sound mean. It may sound um, hateful. It's not. I'm just being honest with you from my experience, from people I've met teaching at colleges, people that I've met who have tried to get me to teach at their college. The type B professor is the, the guy or girl who got the portfolio together, hit up different companies, and the companies turned them down because they just didn't have the skill set um, to, you know, to hack it pretty much, right? Um, so the best thing to do is to go to a website like Game School Online or something like that where you have actual professionals, like people actually working on something like Call of Duty, you know, Halo, um, you know, God of War, like actual games. Those are the people who not only know the skills that it takes to work on those kinds of projects and at those kinds of studios, but they're also the people who have the, uh, the business experience. You know, they know how to sell themselves. They know how to find job leads. They know how to assemble a portfolio, which is the most important thing you can do to get a job. You know, an art director, a lead, a manager is working on a multi-million dollar triple-A game, right? So they don't have time to waste. So when they're looking to hire somebody and they get five portfolio submissions from people on the internet, and if you're listening out there, maybe you're one of those five, right? Mm -hmm. And they're going to immediately look at those portfolios. They're not even going to look at the whole thing. They're going to look at the first image in the portfolio. And unless that image within 
four seconds makes them go, huh, wow, that's really good. Let me see what else they have in their portfolio. Mm-hmm. Unless that first image does that to them, and we're talking about an art director who probably worked on big AAA games like Call of Duty, like, um, you know, uh, Halo or Destiny or whatever it is. So it's going to take a lot to impress that person, okay? Um, and you're already competing against four other people. You see what I'm saying? And it's not going to be four other people. It's going to be like 100 people. Um, I don't know why I said five people before, but anyway. Uh, that's what's going to happen. So your chances of getting like a phone interview and getting that next step, that call back or that email back saying, hey, we like your work, let's talk. Your chances of that first step happening are going to be really low unless you're really prepared. And the best people that are prepared is not some guy teaching at a private art school. Mm. It's going to be the person who's working right now in a studio in San Francisco, you know, working on the next Tomb Raider or the person working at Ready at Dawn, um, working, you know, on the Order 1886 or a person working at Naughty Dog on the next Last of Us or Uncharted game. That's going to be the person who's going to teach you. And guess what? That person doesn't cost $70,000 a year. You know, if you can find them on a website like Game School Online or wherever you find them, you know, get them if you can. If you have to pay, well, it's better than, you know, paying $90,000 for a school that's not going to teach you anything. Oh, damn. Um, Dude, Leo, this is like a fire promotional right here. Dude, this is awesome. (laughs) Well, the the reason I say it like this, it's a really passionate topic with me because I've come across so many students in my career that I look at their stuff and I look at how they're mentally unprepared and I'm just like, oh man, let me take you to the side. Let me, let me teach you. Let me show you everything that you thought you knew or everything that you've been taught by your school or whatever is totally wrong, man. It's totally wrong. Like this is the way you're supposed to set up your portfolio. Um, I was recently, I know we're running short on time, but just to give a real world example, um, earlier this year, um, so our studio does portfolio reviews as kind of like a favor or whatever. Wow, that's really uh, cool, by the way. With uh, with some schools. Um, Guildhall is one of the schools. It's a school. It's a game development school in Dallas. It's a really good school. Uh, we actually have hired some designers from there, um, which are really good. I don't know if that's because they were naturally good or the school is really good or a combination of two. Mm-hmm. Um, but... Um, you know, I was asked by my art director, hey, look, um, you have time to do a couple of portfolio reviews. There's some environment artists or whatever coming out of Guildhall. If you could just review the portfolio and do a write-up on it. So I said, um, sure, you know, I'll do it in between, you know, working on environment stuff. So I did. And I looked at uh, the portfolios. It was about, I think I got three to review. And um, in my opinion... Uh, they were not at the caliber needed to get a job in the industry. Okay. Um, and, and and it was it really sucked because I looked at them and I said, "Ooh, if I was just sitting in your house with you, guy, I could show you how to properly make a portfolio." You know, mm-hmm. and a lot of people don't know that a portfolio is it's it's like a manipulation tool. A lot mm-hmm. of people don't think of it that way. A lot of people think about it. I'm going to put my best work. That's there's really a lot more to it. You have to target the studio. So, for example, say you want to work on Mass Effect, right? So you're going after, um, you know, Bioware. Uh, what is it? Bioware Edmonton, mm-hmm. um, who works on Ma- the Mass Effect games. 
you, you don't send them a portfolio that has fantasy work that looks like fable. Yeah. That's an automatic fail. Even if the work is good, the art director is going to see it and go, no, it doesn't fit the art style. This guy's good, but he's going to have to keep looking, you know, mm-hmm. and they're going to pass it up, even though your work was really good. So you have to learn how to strategize and how to attack uh, studios with a portfolio that fits with the art style, fits with their past games. And if, if you can find out what they're currently working on, like if you know they're working on a Mass Effect sequel because it's on, you know, Kotaku or whatever, then create a portfolio based on sci-fi type stuff that fits in that universe. Don't, you know, don't send them something that fits in the Super Mario Brothers universe because <laughs> you basically failed before you even hit the send button on your email. But you what know? if that's your style and they just don't get your style? <laughs> so Larry has a joke. Whenever someone has bad work and can't take critiques, they yeah. always resort to, that's my style. It's just... That's my style, bro. <laughs> You're a student. You suck. Well, you don't have a style. Your your style will be not getting paychecks. Yeah. <laughs> not only is your work is that's your style is broken, unfortunate, but your your fashion style will also reflect. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So uh, a lot of things to it. That's why it's really important to talk to somebody who's in the industry. Most people don't have a friend or a friend of a friend who works in the industry. So you'll have to find a way to grab a mentor or someone from the industry, whether it's on a forum, whether you find a personal site or whatever. g oh, so, events, E3. Yeah, yeah. Be stuff connected like that. somehow. Oh, even just yeah. a random LinkedIn shout out, you know, like LinkedIn yeah, that shout works out. too. But yeah, yeah, I mean, forums are always the best way to get noticed. Like a lot of people go to forums like industry professionals newbies everyone looks at forums for inspiration and if you make good ass art most Mm -hmm. likely someone in the industry will come across it and most likely it being so small they'll talk to Mm -hmm. you one day and like oh you're that guy oh yeah yeah, i love your work yeah yeah yeah. no oh totally totally um and that brings me to uh, and i talked too much but before i said that was the first part to it then there's the second part to it. And the second part um, is pretty simple. If you want to work, at least in art, in this industry, what you need to do is you need to look at the games that are out there and do the same, at minimum the same level of quality or better. So if you want to work in AAA games, grab the latest copy of Call of Duty. Grab Black Ops 3. Grab Last of Us. You know, grab uh, Uncharted, grab the Order 1886 from Ready at Dawn and Sony and play the game. Look at how the environments look. If you're a character artist, look at how the characters look. Look at how the in-game characters look, you know, and then you have to mimic that. You have to basically copy that. Your level of art has to be at that level, you know. So that's what I tell, like, students. I'm like, stop wasting time. You're overthinking it. Go to cgsociety.org, look at the, um, the award winners in the, um, in the gallery, the award-winning gallery members, and look at the work that they're doing. Their composition, the colors they use, the lighting they use to pose their characters in, or the lighting they use for their environments and stuff. If you're going in for concept art, go to conceptart.org and look at the amazing concept art that's posted up there by people working at ILM, at DreamWorks at Sony Imageworks, and copy that. If you can 
make your art look that good or better, I guarantee you 110% you're in the industry. You're getting in. Yep. Co-signed 100% by Game Dev Unchained Podcast. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it yep. makes sense, right? Everybody yeah. can tell if one piece of art, artwork A and artwork B, if it looks the same or not. Like, even if you're a newbie uh, or, like, someone yeah. who is interested in the industry, a regular person can yeah. tell if you can match up the artwork. And if right. you use that as a gauge and it's not up to par, then you just answered your own questions. Totally. So. You know, and, and it's a harsh reality check, but if your art doesn't look anywhere near as good as the top art on cgsociety.org, or if, you're, uh, if you sculpt a ZBrush, go to ZBrush Central, the forums on ZBrush Central, and see what you know people are doing because uh, people that post there are in the film industry, and there's also character artists from like Naughty Dog and different companies. I know guys that I work with, character artists, post their stuff on Zebra Central too. Um, and if your work is at that same level, if you can put it side by side, and not you, but someone can critique it and go, "Damn, your stuff looks as good as you know the guy who did that character for Last of Us." I guarantee you're gonna you're gonna end up being very successful in this industry, guaranteed. Good stuff, good stuff. Last question from me: You started in modding. That's kind of how you got your way in. How do you look at modding today? Is modding still as big of a thing, or are tools just so readily available that people are just making their own games? And as a second part, between the two, if both of them are equally as strong, which one would you prefer to work on? If you were, you know, yourself again from 20 years ago. Yeah. Um, that's interesting because this is something that I think about actually to myself uh, every few years. Um, so the modding scene is still strong, but it's kind of it's kind of died off in the sense that it's not what it used to be uh, when I was doing it. Um, so I started off making maps for the old Rainbow Six games before Ubisoft bought out Redstorm. I don't know if you guys ever played those old original yeah. Rainbow Six games, but they were they were awesome. They were way more realistic than any other shooter uh, since. But um, you know, there was um, one of the mods that was my favorite um, was a mod called the NATO mod, like NATO, like the actual yeah. NATO. Yeah, and uh, the NATO mod added like oh, I don't even remember. I want to say it was like around three hundred new guns to the game. Mm-hmm. And these guns had different ammo types, so they would add, like, rubber rounds, um, you know, rubber pellets on shotguns. They would add, like, all these armor-piercing rounds and stuff. And there was so many guns that you could spend hours replaying a mission and taking new weapons just to test them out. Mm. And I, I feel like you don't see those kind of big, big hitter mods anymore uh, with games nowadays. And I feel like a lot of game publishers... Not so much developers, but I think the publishers, the bean counters, have been uh, clamping down on modding uh, over the past decade. Yeah. Just because they don't want um, mods to cannibalize their DLC sales. Yep. That's what it comes down to, right? Um, that's what happened to Raven Shield when Ubisoft took over. Um, and I like Ubisoft. They make amazing games, but they have a different business mindset than what Red Storm uh, was doing it, you know? So Redstorm would give mod tools, and you can make whatever mods you want. When Ubisoft came in the mix, they promised the um, the uh, the mod SDK day one, 
nope. There was no mod SDK. The forums went crazy. Modders were like, what's going on? We want to put in our own weapons and stuff. And they never actually released the SDK to be able to put in your own uh, weapons and stuff. Um, because then they started releasing, you know, Athena Sword and all these different DLCs. And they wanted people to buy basically their official mod. Because that's what a DLC is. It's an official mod ba- made by the developer, right? So I think that hurt the modding scene a lot in PC gaming a bit. But on the other hand, all those modders didn't die off. They just found new avenues, right? With um, with like UDK, you know, before Unreal 4, UDK, uh, Unity uh, has been around for a while too. So people started realizing, oh, I can get this free game engine and kind of do like my own thing. Uh, UDK was really hard to use. You had to be a pretty advanced Unreal scripter to be able to do like hardcore mods and stuff. Um, but now with like Unreal 4, you can make whole games from scratch, which yep. is insane. And you don't have to be a programmer. You have to think like a programmer, but you don't have to be like a C++ expert. Just um, put in the time to to learn it, figure out how everything works, and you can start having a character running around. You can you know put a weapon in. Sometimes I'll be on YouTube or, or on the Unreal 4 forums, uh, which I'm on there all the time. And you'll see, uh, you'll see some random uh, dude or girl on the internet post up a link like, "Hey, look what I did on the weekend," and you go on YouTube to look at the video, and you get kind of blown away because, holy crap, they got a Sonic the Hedgehog running around the kite demo mm-hmm. in this grass field collecting rings in yeah. Unreal Four, and <laughs> you're just like, yeah. "What? Are you serious?" It's awesome, yeah. Yeah. So Things, uh, engines are free. You can make your own games. You don't yeah. have to mod anything anymore. Yeah. Good, good engines too. Not really you know, good. Not low quality stuff. This is like AAA caliber. You're uh, using the same tools as AAA studios. I still yeah. remember how long I stared at the screen in disbelief when Unreal Four free. You know, like yeah. they dropped yeah. the subscription completely free. Yeah. Blew my mind. So happy. Epic Games. Thank you so much for saving the indie passion that I have and letting me have yeah. Unreal for free. I love you guys yeah. forever. Yeah. I mean, like, <laughs> yeah. I mean, Activision with Call of Duty is coming out with mod tools. Also I true. feel like yeah. they're, and right. then Valve have always been supportive of their mod community. I mean, they yes. made a business out of it. Yeah. You, yeah. you mod their games with hats and Dota mm-hmm. characters or whatever, and you can sell it. They create a marketplace. Yeah, because they 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 know the value of involving right. the community. Like the developer yeah. would more like most likely buy more stuff from you. Yeah, around. exactly. What's you interesting know, is like, we brought up that you know they were afraid of letting go of DLC sales or not having that opportunity. Valve mm-hmm. is like, hey, we have this great game. People want to mod it. Sure, make DLC for us that you yeah. guys buy and we take a cut. We do no work right. and get more money. Yeah. yeah. You take your little 30% cut or whatever it is off the top. And while you're sitting at home or whatever, you know, sleeping or whatever, just making money off of uh, modders. And the modders are happy because they're not having their hands tied Mm -hmm. or having some corporate company telling them, no, you can't touch our tools. Don't modify anything. You know? Yep. So it's uh, it's kind of a a win-win. And the modders make money too because you can monetize your stuff. Yeah, so that's pretty cool. So, yeah, in short, to answer your question, uh, modding in short, <laughs> modding is yeah, it's still it's still strong. It's just changed. 
it's just different now. Yeah. Some evolved. some companies embrace it better than others. Um, yeah. But if anything, I mean, it's gotten a lot better for the independent developer and uh, someone who's just interested in gaming. There's so many things free now. Yeah, yeah. I mean, just go on YouTube and do a search. Like, say you're, I don't know, trying to get a character to work in a game. Yeah. Just do a search on YouTube, how to import character from Blender to Unreal 4. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And you'll get so many videos and stuff. Yeah. YouTube is the best community college of all time. Like, you can learn any and anything you want at any time, 24 hours a day, for free. Yeah. It's so true. It's, I want to learn photography. I want to learn how to make pies. I want to how to make my face look like, you know, such and such an actress. Yeah. I want to learn... It doesn't matter. I want to learn how to make guitars. You can throw any almost yeah. random thing onto YouTube, and there's like 500 videos on how yeah. to do it. It's it's no, amazing. That, I mean, they're, they're, and there will be probably 450 really shitty ones <laughs> where the guy <laughs> is mumbling through the tutorial. But you'll find if you look at the right in the right places, you'll find some gems. Yep. Yeah. No, that's true. Yeah. Not everything's going to be perfect or explained right. Yeah. Sometimes you get a video with no audio. Yeah. It's just somebody playing like EDM music or something. Really <laughs> yeah. And then they open up Notepad to like communicate yeah. with you. <laughs> yeah, come on, bro. <laughs> um, well, Leo, look, it's uh, an hour and five minutes into the podcast. And usually at this time, uh-huh. I know the users are, or the listeners are tired of hearing me say this, but I got to say it. We always give the guests an opportunity to just talk and say something positive about something that they're working on to draw some attention to one of their projects or their team or whatever you want. The floor is yours. Do you have anything that you want to shout out or plug to the Game Dev Unchained audience? Uh, yeah. Um, I kind of took a hiatus from doing tutorials for you know the past years. But um, last year, I started working on a new sort of Unreal 4 education initiative, so to speak. Sounds all official. It's not... Uh, basically, I'm really good at Unreal 4, and I want to teach people. No, I want to teach people. I teach people in my studio. When when we got Unreal 4 at the studio uh, for prototyping and stuff um, and doing some other things, nobody knew how to use it except for uh, me and my lead. Yeah. So I ended up you know, teaching designers and teaching technical artists and teaching yeah. other artists. And I even had one concept artist like start – almost giggling like a girl because he was like, oh, my God, Unreal 4, it's so easy to use. Look, I, I've never used a game engine before because I just do concept art. And he was, you know, running around the engine, placing stuff. And it was like, I don't know, it was like a kid who found a new toy. <laughs> so uh, teaching people is a lot of fun. And um, I'm doing a lot of Unreal 4 stuff. I'm definitely working with you guys at Game School Online to get uh, all of my Unreal 4 stuff up on there. Um, you know, it's, it's pretty intense. It's pretty big, but I do show you how to do, um, everything from creating game assets like modeling and texturing and stuff in Maya to getting it into unreal, setting it up materials, uh, lighting, which is a really important big thing. Um, especially if unreal four, it's got such a good lighting system that, uh, it's important to take advantage of it. So I kind of show you some of my techniques and stuff for, uh, lighting, um, in unreal four. So yeah, check out uh, my Unreal 4 stuff on Game School Online. Um, I guarantee uh, you will like it and you will learn a lot of cool stuff. All right. Cool. I mean, Leo, you might uh, you may have uh, started your career with a recruiter laughing your face. 
<laughs> but who's laughing now? <laughs> but who's laughing now? Exactly. He's so, still recruiting the talent, and you are the talent. Yeah, you are. The if talent. he is. Yeah. Well, um, let me just say this. Good night. <laughs> this is Brandon Pam. Good night. Take care. <laughs>